Please join me in the prayer for illumination found in your bulletin. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Our lesson is from the New Testament, Revelations chapter 1, verses 9 through 19. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and because of the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Sperna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me, and I, I, on turning, saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe, a golden sash across his chest. His head and hair were white as white wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining with full force. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and uh, and see, I am alive forever and ever. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Now... Write what you have seen, what is, and what is to take place after this. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'd like to invite the children who are here in the sanctuary to come up and join me up here. And if you're worshiping online, just get a little closer to your screens, and we'll have a moment together. Good morning. Hello, hello. Good to see you this morning, Grace. Oh, got a pink rabbit. Very cool. Welcome, welcome. Well, when I was about your age, there was a song that I learned at church. And I'm wondering if you know this song. He's got the whole world. Do you know this song? Do you all know this song? All right. Everybody who knows this song, no matter your age, let's sing it together, okay? He's got the whole world 
he's got the whole wide world in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands oh that sounded beautiful everyone that's a song about how god has everything in god's loving arms all of us all of creation all the planets and stars the whole universe is hugged by God. Now these verses that we just heard from the very last book of the Bible have a dream, like a vision that somebody had of Jesus. After he'd been raised from the dead and he stretches out his arms and says, I am the first and the last. He says, we would say it this way, I am from A to Z the whole alphabet. I hold all the world in my loving hands. And to me, that's a comforting image because sometimes life can be hard. Sometimes difficult things happen to us. We get sad. But remembering that Jesus holds all of us in a big hug all the time gives me lots of comfort. So next time you're feeling sad or something kind of goes wrong and makes you unhappy, Sing that little song in your mind and remember, God is with us. We are never alone. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you so much for loving us, for songs that we learn in church that remind us that you've got the whole world in your hands and nothing that ever happens to us will take us away from your love. We love you too, God. And we thank you as we get ready for Thanksgiving. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Three, four, and five-year-olds can go with Pastor Maggie and Miss Emily to Children's Church. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with parents or friends. So it was a little bit of a challenge to think about how to talk about Revelation with the children. But I love that image of Jesus that we have in this first chapter of Revelation. It just reminded me of that song I learned as a child. But there's no way around it. Revelation is a challenging book. I have a friend who is a professor of religion at the college level, and she's teaching a New Testament survey class this year. And she said, you know, we have to get through the whole New Testament, and I'm so glad that Revelation is last, because darn the luck, we run out of time, and we just don't get to dive in that deep to Revelation. I don't know about you, but I think many of us have a very limited relationship with the book of Revelation. When we think of Revelation, we think about all of those predictions that the world's going to come to an end. We know that people have used this book over the centuries to predict the end of the world. It's even been used to inspire fear in people. There's a lot of, of talk of violence and vengeance in the book of Revelation. And it's like, you better be on the right side when the last day comes or you're going to get it. And so for those reasons, that in some ways make feel inconsistent with our understanding of of who God is and how God's grace and love have been revealed to us in the life and teachings, death and resurrection of Jesus, we just set it aside. We just rather not deal with revelation. I am guilty of that as a preacher. 
It's not a text that I preach on very often. And so we begin to wonder about this little strange book at the end of the Bible, if it's even for us. I mean, there were early Christians when they were having conversations about which books to include in the scriptures, whether to include Revelation or not. There were many who said, no, that doesn't need to be in our Bible. But, But there were many who wanted it there. And it has been included, and it's been passed down to us from generation to generation. And so we read it, and we consider what it might have to say to us in the 21st century in our context, in our moment of history. Anything? One of the things that has helped me have a better relationship with this very strange book is to learn more about the kind of writing it was, and who it was written to, and in what moment of history and why it might have been written. So let me hit some of those bullet points for us. The book of Revelation is a kind of literature called apocalypse. It's apocalyptic writing. We see a little bit of that in the book of Daniel, a little bit in a couple of the Gospels, There are a lot of apocalyptic writings in the Jewish tradition right around this same time. It's very imaginative, vivid imagery. Much of it is coded language. And what it's meant to be is not a prediction of the future, not an outline of what things are going to happen when the end times come, but it's meant to speak truth into a particular moment in history. So in this moment in history... What's happening? Imagine that it's the first century, early second century, and you are a Christian living under the thumb of the Roman Empire. It is not safe to be a Christian in the empire. You remember that back in 70 CE, the Roman Empire came into Jerusalem and decimated the city and tore down the temple because there had been a small Jewish rebellion there. When the temple was torn down, it's never been rebuilt since, by the way, it was the end of a way of life for the Jewish people and therefore for many of the Christian people who had come from the Jewish tradition. From their perspective, it felt like the world had ended Many of the Jews had been taken into exile into Rome and enslaved. This was a dark time for the Jews and for the early Christians. And it's hard to imagine how to survive and how to have hope and how to keep the faith when you're living under the threat of the Roman army all day, every day. And so John, somebody named John, we don't know exactly who he was, writes from the island of Patmos, probably a place where he himself was being punished for being a follower of Jesus. And he has had a dream, a vision of the risen Christ, and it's full of this imagery and all of this seven lampstands and the four horsemen of the apocalypse and Babylon. But when he was writing about Babylon, he was talking about Rome He was trying to send a message to those early believers that the Roman Empire in the vastness of who God is all throughout history is nothing. The Roman Empire will fall. They'll get it in the end. On Sunday night when we were in Bible study, Dr. Jen Quigley described it as a violent 
vengeance fantasy. This is a fantasy to give the people hope that Rome will fall. Now, we know what that's like. You go to the movies, you see a superhero movie, when the bad guys get it in the end, and we all go, yay! When Darth Vader takes Emperor Palpatine and throws him down the shaft, yay! When Harry Potter backfires the spell onto Voldemort and he flakes away, yay! The bad guys lose. Perhaps that's part of what's going on in the book of Revelation, giving this small, persecuted group some hope and a vision that one day their suffering will end, to remind them that God is still in charge and the risen Christ is the Alpha and Omega who holds all of them. So it's a particular kind of writing to a particular people at a particular moment in history. So is it even for us? Is this a book that can speak to us and to our lives with all of its coded language and imagery that many of us don't understand anymore? Well, of course, I believe it can speak to us or I wouldn't be up here today. It has been included in our sacred texts. And so I believe the Spirit, the living Christ, can speak to us through these ancient words and images. And when I see this image, this vision that John of Patmos had that is one artist has portrayed on the cover of our bulletin, we see the risen Christ telling John of Patmos, I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It is a reminder to us in our times that God's got the whole world in God's hands. Our experiences may be different, but I think many of us have had that feeling at some point in our lives that the world feels like it's coming to an end. Sometimes we feel it personally with the death of a loved one. Or we get that phone call from the doctor that says the test results are back and I need you to come into the office. Or we go to work one day only to find our desk has been cleared and there's been a reorganization, and we're invited not to come back. Or a person we we love comes and tells us they don't love us anymore. Sometimes the world feels like it's coming to an end. Sometimes it feels that way for us collectively. A global pandemic? Heavens. For the world to turn on a dime and we're all in our homes and we all have to wear masks and the sanctuary is empty, it felt like the world was coming to an end. Or we hear the stories coming out of Israel and Gaza and Ukraine and the climate disasters and all of the things happening around us and it feels like these must be the end times. Have you ever felt that or said that? It feels like the world is coming to an end. Well, maybe we can hold on to this vision that was given to John of Patmos, of the risen Christ, the the cosmic Christ, the universal Christ, as Richard Rohr would say, giving the assurance to this one man on the island of Patmos, I've got this. A reminder that we are all, all the time being held. It doesn't mean that God is moving us all around like puzzle pieces, manipulating everything that happens. But it does mean that no matter what happens, God is with us 
as we affirm in our faith every week, we are not alone. We are always swimming in a sea of love. And God is closer to us than our next breath, no matter what's happening in our lives. And there's this beautiful moment where John falls on his knees in front of this bright, shining vision. And he's afraid, I think. He's in awe. He doesn't know what to say or do. And then he feels Christ place a hand on him and say, do not be afraid. How many times have we heard that throughout the scriptures on this journey we've been on since January? Do not be afraid. It is so easy in our time, whatever's happening in our lives, to be anxious and afraid for what the future holds. But here we have Christ saying to John and saying to us, do not be afraid. God has us. So what do we do? Does this call us then to be passive and just to say, well, no matter what's happened in the world, God's got it, so I'm just going to sit back and wait. No. Jesus makes it very clear in his life and his teachings. We're supposed to keep awake. We're supposed to trust and believe that God is always at work in the world bringing about the beloved community, bringing about reconciliation and justice and hope and healing. And we're invited to be part of that. Christ told John of Patmos, write this down. Tell the churches there's a part for him to play and there's a part for us to play too. So the invitation that comes to us from this ancient, strange, wild, and wonderful ride of a text is to keep the faith. Keep doing what we've been told to do throughout the scriptures. And what does the Lord require of you, asked the prophet Micah, but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. What is the greatest commandment, they asked Jesus, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We may not know all the answers to all the mysteries in the book of Revelation or in the whole of the scriptures, but I believe we know enough to live out our lives in faith and to know that no matter what happens, God is with us. Thanks be to God.